RVing can take you just about anywhere you want to go. From the mountains to the ocean, a rainforest, it is often not too difficult to get lost in the wilderness where you find yourself surrounded by nature. We love RVing in the Pacific Northwest. There are so many reasons to go RVing. And for us, it's all about making those lasting memories with our kids and the family time around a campfire that is filled with laughter, tall tales, and s'mores. So maybe you've been thinking of the open road a little bit more, and you can almost feel that breeze in your hair. Well, in this episode, number 36, we are going to dive right in and share the good and the bad from our experiences so you can start RVing by not making some of the mistakes that we had. Welcome to RV Out West. I'm your host, Brooks. My family of four's base camp is located in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and our RV adventures radiate out from there. Please grab a mug of coffee and join us as we discuss RVing around the American West. From sweet camping spots, gear and equipment, to tips and tricks, we've got you covered. We are RV Out West. So you want to RV? That's a wonderful first step to a whole new way to see and explore the Pacific Northwest, the American West, to all of North America, and even further if you desire. Right now, the RV industry is in a boom ever since COVID. Many more Americans are taking to the open road. According to the RV Industry Association, they are, quote, projecting 2022 to be the second or third best year on record for RV shipments and projects 2023 to be in line with their 10-year average, which is considerably above their 20 or 30-year numbers, end quote said RVIA President and CEO Craig Kirby. With all this growth, it is still a good time as ever to begin RVing. Today we are going to be sharing from our experiences the benefits of RVing, aspects of RVing to consider, and pitfalls to avoid. What we won't be discussing is specific models and brands, as those are all personal choices to find the right RV for your family and your budget. So let's get started. Let's start with the benefits and the good stuff. Look, you are always going to have your home with you, your sheets, your bed, all of your clothes. Things are put away to where you want them to be, so you are always going to feel like you have a home instead of when you're traveling, going from hotel room to hotel room and moving around and, and feeling, you know, at beginning that, that excitement, but then you kind of just begin to feel like a road warrior. And so when you have your RV, you are bringing your home. So you're never not going to know where you're spending the night or sleeping because you have that with you. You can also extend your camping season to year round if you'd like here in the Pacific Northwest. We camp, like I said, about 10 months out of the year. And that's mostly because we're a pretty avid skier. So kind of we tail off at the end of December, January and February. We're skiing and then we ramp back up into March. If you haven't yet listened to, you can go back and listen to episode number 32 about the F-Lot up at Stevens Pass. There's a lot of winter skiing, ski-out camping, and tips there. I also love our RV because it really provides true distraction-free family time. My kids are out playing with sticks and riding bikes and exploring and playing around the campground even if we're not, if we're just having a day where we're kind of just chilling at the campground. They're out exploring and doing things. We play games. We play washers. If it's a rainy day, we'll be inside playing a board game. We'll play chess. You know, So we are having that kind of distraction-free family time. 
And when we're at the campground, the kids don't really seem all that interested in screen time as much. The RV community in general is an amazing group of people. You know, you're, you're looking at a group of people who are into the same thing you are. They love RVing as well, and it spans multiple generations, so you can get some really great tips from kind of the old timers. Like, for example, we were camping in a campground out in Pennsylvania, and my water spigot and my connection where my water filter, my dirt guard was attached, uh, was leaking. And so I was trying to tighten it and figure kind of what options I had in my tool bag. And I didn't have any hose washers with me in my kit. And this gentleman came over and he was like, hey, what's going on? We kind of talked about it. And he was like, I've got hose washers. So he went and grabbed a couple of hose washers. He even tossed me a couple of extra to put in my kit. So I have it in my toolbox just in case it happens again. But he walked over and he introduced himself and was super friendly and helpful. And so that's just one little story. I met some wonderful people actually at this same Pennsylvania campground. They are currently on uh, Instagram. Their tag is from the hatch. Give them a follow if you haven't. But they are in an Airstream and they are new empty nesters. And so they are off getting ready to basically, they sold their home, bought an Airstream and are going full-time and traveling all around the United States to meet with them, to talk with them, to share and hear their stories. The community of RVing is just oh, absolutely wonderfully enriching and warm and welcoming and inviting group of people. One of the big reasons as to why my family got into a travel trailer, we had been thinking about it before COVID and looking at it and and starting our research on what kind of trailer we wanted that was going to work for our family and again that was in our budget and then COVID happened and so we really wanted to have that outlet as a way to get out of our walls during the lockdown but still remain self-contained and so having the bathroom in our trailer became one of the most critical aspects of what pushed us over and why we got rid of our tent trailer and moved into getting a travel trailer. And then the last thing is have an air conditioning. I mean, even Eastern Washington will in the summer get into the 100s, 115 if it needs to. You know, we've done a tour. We've already done a tour around the American West and all the way now, all the way we did 10,000 miles this summer circling all around the United States. And having that air conditioning was really, really uh, a savior and so kind of glamping if you will is one nice thing about it you know I'd, I'd mentioned about extending your camping season but to be able to explore the pacific northwest in you know the off season kind of during the school year when campgrounds are a little quieter i gotta say camping in the rain is actually really really enjoyable we still will stand outside make a big fire stand around in the morning and have our coffee while it's raining, going to bed at night and hearing the little pitter-patter, pitter-patter, pitter-patter on the rooftop of the trailer. The campground is so much more quiet. It's easier to get a camping spot. You're not having to plan six, nine months in advance to figure out where you want to go and what spots even available. You have cherry picking of spots. So it's really a wonderful, wonderful time to explore the Pacific Northwest. One such thing we really have done 
um, ever since we've got our travel trailer is we started camping on New Year's Eve. And so we're camping at the end of December, bringing in New Year's Eve, doing a bonfire and a glass of bubbly around the bonfire as we honor the year that's coming to a close and begin the new year full of celebration and transitioning into that new year. It's been something that our family has really, really enjoyed doing. And we just go to a a local campground that's only about 30 minutes away from our house. But, you know, it's it's wintertime. It's it's beanies and hoodies and it's cold and you know we got the heater going in the trailer we got a fire going and still the kids are out riding their bikes and playing and being outside and so we have had a really really wonderful time camping for new year's eve so you want to rv there are some things you might need to consider before you start rving let's talk about the different types of rvs You know, you have the tent trailer, which is the classic kind of pop-up tent trailer with the the canvas wall that can easily be towed behind like a Subaru or a minivan or those kind of things. You can store them in a single-car garage so they're out of the elements here in the Pacific Northwest when you need to store them in the wintertime. They're great. They are basically an extension of a large tent, but you're going to get off the ground. You don't have to worry about sticks and rocks in your back. You can get a nice, you know, sleep in a bed, but, you know, you're not necessarily going to have a potty or a restroom on board, so you're still going to need to be able to use the bathhouse. And then when you get home, there's a little bit of work that needs to get done as far as you kind of need to half pop your pop-up so you can air out the canvas to mitigate any potential mold and to really dry that out so you don't have to worry about mold. You know, then you get into like we did the travel trailer. They go anywhere from, you know, 14 feet on up to, you know, 32 feet. You're going to need a a tow vehicle to to tow those. You get into the larger fifth wheels. So if you're kind of over six foot two in height, you know, a fifth wheel might be a better option for you to look at because you're going to get much higher inside the RV. So you're not going to have to worry about feeling claustrophobic and like you're going to hit your head. They have a much higher ceiling height on the inside, but you are going to need, you know, a one ton diesel or a very large gas engine uh, to be able to pull that fifth wheel. Then you're getting into the motorhomes, the class B's. Those are your sprinter vans. Those are those um, traditional kind of camper van that you can use. And those are great because then You don't need to worry too much about bringing a tow vehicle. So if you do want to go and explore the area that you're camping in with the Class B, it's pretty easy to break camp and then go. And then you have a smaller vehicle that can still fit in like a normal size parking spot. Where if you get into a Class C, that's more of a larger motorhome. Those are, you know, again, in that 27 give or take foot range you're probably gonna want to have tow dinghy or a toad as they may call them but you know a little vehicle that you can use so again if you do want to go explore the area that you're camping at you have a vehicle to kind of be your shuttle the trick with the class c is that there it's pretty limited as far as the amount of kind of vehicles that you can flat tow the next one then are the big Class A motorhomes. These are the things that look like tour buses that, you know, rock stars take out and move in. And for those, you're definitely going to be wanting a a dinghy or a toad to tow 
so you have a vehicle to go around, but you're going to have with a Class C all of the amenities, all of the luxuries of a normal home. You're just going to be on wheels. You can go back and reference episode 12 for uh, my wife and I do a review on our travel trailer. We have a Jayco 267 BHSW. The two things that were kind of important to us was that it had a walk around queen because we didn't want to have to crawl over each other to get in and out of bed and then bunk beds for our children. But you can go listen to episode 12. We do a full review on our trailer. Tow vehicles are not created equally. You can have an F-150. I have an F-150 same year and they have two different tow capacities. It is almost VIN specific based on features and axle ratios and all sorts of information. Um, So no two are like, you can't just be like, oh, I got an F-150, I can tow this. So it is really VIN specific. And there's a a really great rule, um, and it's the 80% rule. If your tow vehicle can tow 10,000 pounds, you don't want to be pulling anything over 8,000 pounds for the sake of math. And that 8,000 pounds needs to be fully loaded with your gear, your clothes, your dishes, if you've got water on board, you know, et cetera, all of that information. Oftentimes when you're at a dealership and you're talking with the salesperson and you're looking at trailers and you ask, hey, how much does this weigh? They're going to typically quote the unloaded vehicle weight. The only time you are ever going to be towing the unloaded vehicle weight is the day you pick your trailer up and are towing it home and there's nothing on board. So using that number to calculate what your tow vehicle can tow is not accurate and you should not be using the unloaded vehicle weight for calculating your towing. You need to really look at the gross vehicle weight rating or the other way is you can take the unloaded vehicle weight and add the cargo carrying capacity weight together And that then is basically going to give you what that trailer is going to weigh when you're towing. But there's so much more to understanding towing, and I'm not going to get all into towing today. That is a whole separate topic. RV storage. This is another big one. So depending on whether you get a fifth wheel, a tent trailer, a pop-up, a class B, class C, class A, travel trailer, what are you going to do? You need to figure out where you're going to store it. Do you have availability on your property at your home? Will you be able to store it at your house? Or are you going to need to be able to pay for RV storage? And if so, have you called around your area to find out what does RV storage cost? What's availability? Is there a wait list? Do you need to get on that wait list now? Because it might be a good idea to get on a wait list, even if you don't have your trailer in mind. But if you know, oh, I think we're going to be in the 26 to 30 foot range, then you can tell that storage place, we're going to be in that range and get me on the wait list. And so you can be on the wait list while you're still concurrently looking for your perfect trailer for your family. But that is an additional cost and an additional consideration, something to think about when you're looking to get started into RVing, especially if you're going to have to pay for RV storage and not be able to store it at your home. I've mentioned before on this show, but it's worthy of saying again, that when you buy a RV, you probably want to find a local dealership if you're going to buy new or even used because RV dealerships are different than automotive dealerships. And so a big consideration is that if you get a new trailer or excuse me, you get a new RV and you need to get warranty work done, 
you're probably going to need to go to the dealership with which you bought it at. It's not like, oh, I bought a Jayco, so I can go to any Jayco dealership to have them do the work. You can, but it's best to kind of go back to the dealership that did the work for you. So learn from our mistake. We bought our Jayco from a dealership about two hours away from where we live. We did need to get some warranty work done in the first year, so I went to the closer dealership. It it proved problematic. I wasn't as much a priority because we didn't buy it from them, and they have to take a little hit on shop labor hours because it's warranty work, so the contracted rate is different. And so it it just it's best to just kind of do that. Speaking of that, uh, with any RV, you know, I've heard the great expression that they are a rolling earthquake. And so there's been a lot of times when we get to wherever we're going at the campground and we're getting camp all set up and we're opening up the trailer and I find random screws, nuts, bolts, just randomly. And I have no idea where they came from. So an RV, I think a lot like a boat, requires a fair amount of maintenance. And so you just need to be aware of it. Hopefully you're a person who enjoys doing that kind of work and likes problem solving and figuring out and you know finding ways to maybe create some upgrades that'll make your camping experience a little bit easier, but also just knowing that you're going to want to be able to do some of the work, if not a lot of the work yourself. Because if you take it to a dealership, currently right now, they're all backlogged. You could take your trailer in and the the dealership or wherever you're taking it to get work, it might sit on their lot for six weeks while they're waiting to get parts or they have so many other projects in front of yours that it's sitting. And so you're missing your summer camping season because your RV is sitting on a lot somewhere waiting to get work done. Trailer lengths are another consideration. You know, you want to find something that works for you, your family, what you want to get out of RVing. And so if you plan to hit a lot of national parks, there are trailer links that are max links for campgrounds within a national park. So you may need to research and figure out what is the length, you know, that the campground at that national park you want to go to, what's their max length. And, you know, you may not want to buy a trailer that's larger than that max length. One other thing is if you plan to finance your new RV purchase, something to consider that I didn't know that was kind of interesting is that banks typically will give you a 15-year term on an RV loan, and they kind of think of it as a second home. And so you can get a 15-year loan on a trailer. Not that I'm suggesting you take 15 years to pay it off, but that is an option, and that's something to consider if it at least gets you out there and gets you started and gets you RVing. Pitfalls to avoid. Um, I had mentioned about proper towing, and I cannot stress this enough. I will stress it enough this much that I was one year away. I had a 2013 F-150 with the 5-liter Coyote V8 engine in it, and it was able to tow our trailer. But that F-150, was I was putting it at the top of our tow capacity, and going over the Cascade Mountains, I would be pulling the mountain pass at like, 40, 45 miles an hour at like 3,500, four grand on the RPMs. And so I really was working that truck. And so I was one year away from having that truck paid off. And my wife and I made the decision and I bought a new truck. I bought a one ton diesel 
And so now after driving 10,000 miles this summer towing, it's night and day difference on the towing and what that is. So from a, a safety standpoint, sure, you might be able to tow with whatever vehicle you have. And if that's all you have, jump in and get going and start RVing. And that's great. But from a safety and practicality, it just really look at those tow numbers before you even go into a dealership, just so you don't get seduced by some trailer that then might put you over your tow capacity. So you can just do your research online and look at what the trailer weight is, and then really do the VIN research on your tow vehicle and see if they're a good match. There's a ton of videos on YouTube. Keep Your Daydream has a great video. Mark goes into towing and towing capacities and has a really great video that explains it all. Booking and reservations. This was an eye-opener for us. Uh, booking and reservation systems are designed for the planners. So if you want hookups, you're going to need to plan your trips six, nine, and even 12 months out if you're trying to hit some of those big national parks or those KOA resorts like West Glacier KOA. You're going to have to book a year out for that. So if you're wanting to be at a place where you have RV hookups and you have water and power and you know dump there in your campsite, you're going to need to plan ahead. State parks here in Washington State you know, are six to nine months out, depending on which state park. And if it's a super popular state park, you've got to plan ahead. I just wanted to put that out there because that's a big pitfall that I think a lot of people, they're like, sweet, we bought a trailer, let's go camping. And then you can't find a camp spot. So just something to think about. When you're first starting out RVing, you're going to need to get some additional gear right off the bat. Uh, you know, a, a sewer hose, a surge suppressor, uh, leveling blocks, those kind of things. I mean, I would plan to budget $500 to $1,000. They're little, they're $25 here, $100 there, $75 here, but they add up really quickly. So probably 500 ish So I, I say up to 1000 just so there's no surprises or sticker shocks for you guys. RV show season is just around the corner, and it's a great time to kick tires, look at models, different types of RVs, and to see what can work for your family in your budget range, and it just makes for a fun day. There are a lot of shows happening here in Washington State, so I would suggest that you plan and go check one of those out. You may just score a deal, but do know that even if you buy an RV at a show, you won't be bringing it home that day. There is an RV show in Monroe. There is an RV show in Seattle in February. There's two Tacoma RV shows, one in October, if I recall, and one in January. There's a Puyallup RV show. So there's a lot of RV shows coming up. So you should be able to find one close to you. And so you can go and experience and check them out and just kind of get an idea of what's out there, what's in your price range, what's in your towing capacity range, what may work for your family, and take some of these considerations with you and, and kind of have the dream and check things out. It is my hope that this episode helps you get one step closer to RVing. It's a great community and a wonderful way to see our bioregion and one of the best ways, in my opinion, to spend time together as a family. Make this dream your reality. Get out there. Do your research. Ask your questions. It's worth it. I promise. Thanks so much for listening. 
to help the show grow, please share with your RVing friends and family about this podcast. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like me to discuss, please contact me at rvoutwest.com. In our next episode, in two weeks, we're going to be celebrating National Energy Month by discussing biodiesel. This renewable and alternative fuel was booming in the early 2000s, and then it just seemed to stop being talked about. Joining us on the show will be a biodiesel expert from Oregon, and we will be chatting all things about this fuel. How is it for towing? What do you need to do to your diesel engine? What are considerations for the winter, and where can you find this fuel? Now, get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon. Thanks so much for listening to RV Out West. Join us again in two weeks with our next episode. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And I sure would appreciate if you left a rating or a review of the show. Special thanks to Scott Holmes Music for providing the intro song, We Are One. RV Out West can be found on Instagram and Facebook where you can interact with us and follow along on our RV adventures around the Pacific Northwest. So get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon.